Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, Jim Nance, as always, thanks for the introduction there. And PGA Championship week, what a moment it was. Phil Mickelson getting his sixth major championship and with his brother on the back, the first one ever with Tim Mickelson on the back. Bones, of course, was there for five of them. I loved watching Bones there on Golf Central live from. Uh, they had him on a FaceTime call, Joe, and he was so happy for his former boss, Phil. What a cool thing that was. But I was out there that week, uh, PJ Championship at Kiwa Island. Love that resort. I was out there in 2012 as well. Walked it on that weekend. But I was out the whole week this year. Was very fortunate. I was working for CBS uh, behind the scenes in the trucks. And I'll tell you, um, this interview coming up here is with Tim Mickelson. And we go back. We met at the U.S. Open, Shinnecock. And also, uh, I drove all the way out to Greenbrier and ran into him a couple times at Greenbrier in 2018 as well. So we got to know each other, exchanged information then. And you know what? Like, I saw him at the tournament at PJ early in the week. And here's the thing. How, if you want to know how this interview came about, it was more... After I got done on Sunday and we saw the historic moment, you guys saw the crowd, number 18, how cool that was. I mean, that that picture, that image is going to stay with so many of us golf fans who are grave, right? What what a moment to, to be captured there and just uh, the excitement of Phil. It just shows you that Phil moves the needle and Tiger would, was able to do that tour championship 2018 at Eastlake. Yes, we saw that. But really, outside of Phil, it's it, it's hard to find another person that, that could uh, bring so many fans out there on the fairway. I guess suppose if uh, Jordan Spieth had won the Grand Slam, that could have that could have made a difference there. We might have seen that for him. But other than that, I think it's just those three, Jordan, Tiger, and Phil. Uh, that would have brought fans out like that. But anyway, um, with Tim Mickelson, after I got off the clock and I was out there, walked on the course, it was dusk. Phil was taking some photos there in the sand dunes uh, with his trophy. And Tim was out there as well. So as Tim was walking back to the clubhouse, of course, he's inside the ropes with Andrew Getson, the um, swing coach for Phil. And I said, Tim, great to see you. Congrats. And I said, hey, would love to chat here at some point. And he said, you know what? Call me tomorrow. I said, okay, let's do it. So I called him the next day. Now get this. I was fortunate, right? Because some of the celebration had already happened by the time I talked to Tim Mickelson. I talked to him 10.30 a.m. Pacific time. He was in back home in San Diego. He arrived at 1 a.m. that night after a cross-country flight from, from Keough Island. Um, he went to bed about, or he got home at 1.45 a.m. He responded to an email from me about, hey, what time works for you? Let's figure out a time. At like 6 a.m., Pacific time. So this guy was working on three plus hours of sleep if he's lucky. So just to give you an idea, but he was home um, with Asher, his son, uh, who's only what, four or five months now, um, and his wife, Miranda. Uh, so very cool stuff. They were back in San Diego. The cool thing about this, you're going to hear so much good detail about their celebration, about the flight going home. What was that like for Phil 
and for Tim, for, for two brothers as they're heading home, celebrating, uh, drinking champagne and so many other things. He gets into detail about that and also his family. What was it like to celebrate with his extended family? His 85-year-old father. Wait till you hear um, how they celebrated with him. Phil Sr., very cool stuff. We'll get to Tim Mickelson here in a moment and then just... Uh, some takeaways for me from Keel Island that week on the back end of this interview of just how awesome that week was. Uh, before we get to that, Encore Golf, check out the Elixir Golf Ball two-time Golf Digest Hot List Gold winner. It delivers incredible velocity, accuracy, and distance off the tee. I've tried their Vero X1, and that's given me a lot of distance off the tee. I've gained about 10 to 15 yards, and I love it. You can use my promo code B Clubhouse, the letter B clubhouse uh, to get 10% off on these golf balls. Check them out, EncoreGolf.com, uh, and on Twitter and Instagram as well, at EncoreGolf. The other thing, too, I want to mention, I've been uh, fortunate, we've been ranked uh, on blog.feedspot.com, the top 60 golf podcasts you must follow in 2021. Recently ranked there beyond the clubhouse, so a shout out to them as well. Uh, but let's get to it here. Tim Mickelson, Oh, about 15 hours, 16 hours after his brother won the PGA Championship, became the oldest major championship winner at age 50, and Tim was on the bag for him. And you may have also noticed as well on caddynetwork.com, I released some of the highlights of this interview in written form uh, for Tim Mickelson, what it was like on the major championship Sunday for his brother, and of course, detailing the celebrations afterwards on the, on the plane flight home and all of the above. So check that out as well on caddynetwork.com. Let's get to it here. Tim Mickelson on Beyond the Clubhouse. Well, first of all, you mentioned your son. Uh, <laughs> just like, can life get any better for Tim Mickelson? I mean, you were somewhat recently married, and uh, Asher, your son. Like, how cool is is this for you? Yeah, it's been an, obviously an awesome year. I mean, getting married, having a kid, helping Phil win a major championship. Um, it it doesn't get any better unless I win the lottery. <laughs> right, right. Well, th- take me through the ups and downs. What were the emotions like on Sunday a- as you guys were there going through uh, the challenge of Kiowa? Yeah, it, it was. You know, it was a stressful day. Twenty minutes before we teed off, Phil had handed me his his one iron to clean because he was done hitting, and I looked down, and there's about an inch and a half long uh, crack in the face, and so I had to be the bearer of bad news and let him know the club that we've hit probably. 12 times during the tournament we can't hit anymore and so i had to sprint to the parking lot and pick up the four wood which he is comfortable hitting we just had not touched that club since tuesday in the practice round and so yeah uh, you know we had to hit that a couple times before we went and i mean immediately had to hit it on the third hole and the fourth hole but uh you know that, that added a little bit of stress early in the round and then just the the, the ebbs and flows the up and downs during the round especially on the front nine uh, I felt great as we built a cushion there on 13, um, and then from there it was it was sort of like maintenance, like making sure that we didn't make a big number. You know, we were certainly going to make a couple pars and, and hopefully a birdie or two, and if we could just make sure not to make a big number, I knew we were going to have a great chance coming down the 18th hole, which is pretty much how it played out. Well, you talk about the front nine and, and really having things together there. The bunker shot on five, I mean, that was pretty epic stuff, wasn't it? That was. Uh, it was a fairly straightforward bunker shot, you know, fairly basic. But to, to be able to pull off that shot at that moment, 
was obviously a, a, a very important shot. And, and, you know, I think some will say, and I, I wouldn't be afraid to say it too, it was sort of a turning point in that round because Brooks having a, a birdie putt, you know, he probably thought, hey, there's a chance I might pick up a shot here. Uh, and as it turned out, it was the opposite. We picked up a shot on him. Right, right. And even after a tough start, too, you know, uh, the two-shot swing to begin with, you guys rallied there. You get past five and then six. After six, you guys have a conversation. Tell me about the conversation you guys had where you said, hey, talked about committed shots for him. Exactly. So Phil, the entire week, had, had been very focused and very committed on every swing. And he would hit shots and say, I trusted it. I hit a great swing or made a great swing. And about five times in those first six holes, he basically said, yeah, you know, I didn't trust it. It wasn't a committed swing. And it led to some very mediocre results. And so uh, but after I, uh, after Brooks had made birdie on six, right before we went to the tee, I just pulled him over to the side and just said, look, bro, if you are going to win this tournament, you're going to have to do it by making committed swings. And from there on out, you know, he made a lot of committed swings. And it, it's not like it was anything earth-shattering that I told him, but it was just a reminder that, hey, we need to make good, confident, aggressive swings because that's the way we're going to have our best chance to produce good results. Mm. How tough is it in the moment, in the cauldron of a, of a major, championship, major championship Sunday, how tough is it to do that as a caddy um, out there? Well, it is tough because the stakes are higher, but if you want the best out of your player, you have to be able to know when you can and can't say something like that. And, and I'm very fortunate that I know my brother very well, and I feel like I know exactly when I should and shouldn't say something. And I knew that the stakes were high enough that I needed to say something just to sort of change his mindset. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't do it often. I think he even said that I don't I don't say things a lot, but... When I do, because I don't say things often, it means a lot. Mm. Yeah, I did hear him say that, that, that it does have an extra meaning there. Um, what For you, though, like, proudest moment of the week, or proudest moments, what's, what stands out for, 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 for on that end? Well, the proudest moment is just the win itself, to be able to not have played well this year, but continue to believe in himself and continue to work as hard as he ever has, knowing that he's focusing on the process and hoping that the results would come at the right time uh, to have it all come together was very, very special and, and made it such a special week for us. Mm. Well, 17, uh, fast forward to 17 and, and just okay. go, going through the green there a little bit. I mean, was there a little bit of adrenaline or like what were you thinking as like as you guys are in kind of a tough spot after that tee shot? Uh, yeah, so, you know, that was one of the very few times during the week that we actually disagreed on clubs or, or didn't have the exact same shot in our head. He was hmm. thinking seven iron. I was thinking six iron. Uh, he was thinking seven iron because he was going to keep it left of the pin, so he had the entire length of the green. In my mind, it was six iron because if he pulled it a little bit being lefty, I wanted to make sure that he was going to carry the water. Uh, and I knew that if we missed it long left pretty much where Brooks was, we were fine. I also knew that a four was not going to kill us. The only thing that would really hurt is if we somehow hit it in the water. Uh, it, you know, I think it was still the right club. I still think it was a six iron. It just took a huge bounce. Um, and obviously came up in an unfortunate lie in the longer grass, but it wasn't the worst lie in the world. But again, I reminded Phil, I'm like, hey, bro, a, a four does not kill us. 
we don't need to, you know, try to hit this to a foot and then have something weird happen and it rolls out and, and chips it in the water. So, mm. you know, I probably talked him into that 30-footer. Uh, but again, it was the right, in my opinion, it was the right play in that situation. Right. Well, and also having a 30-footer, I, I think about what he said about putts. He said that you and you and him read putts from time to time, right? Like, what's the percentage of, uh, of how much you read putts with them? You know, Garrett, when I first started working for him, I didn't, I didn't read a putt. It was the <laughs> easiest caddy job in the world. I gave him the number. We talked about a club. I stood to the side. I cleaned his ball, and then that was it. Um, as time has gone on, you know, some tournaments that he's very familiar with, such as, let's say, the Masters and Augusta National, I don't have to read many, maybe two or three the entire tournament. But on courses like Kiowa, where he hasn't played a lot, uh, you know, I would say the last two days I helped him read probably 75% of the putts between, let's say, 3 and, and 25 feet. Outside of 25, it was sort of a general read, and he would take. But if we're trying to be very specific, we were trying to get dialed in together to make sure we were on the same page. Well, and knowing how hard the course is and, and, and knowing you know that you would have 70% of the workflow of uh, reading putts, how much more of a challenge did that make your job? It's certainly a challenge because I look at Phil as one of the best putters of all time, and if he's going to read a putt and doesn't know what it's doing, how in the world is he going to expect me to be able to, you know, know what it's going to do? But uh, I feel like after working with him, you know, for four years or so now, that I have a good idea of of what he's thinking on reads. In general, I underread putts compared to him. So if hmm. I say six inches out he in his mind is probably about eight inches out so when we differ by that amount we know we've got the right read uh and that's just one of the things that we've learned over time and so i'm very comfortable reading putts with them um for whatever reason i'm able to sort of stay in the present and not get caught up in the moment as to what's on the line so reading putts on 14 15 16 17 you know, it's, it's no different than reading a putt in a regular tour event on the first hole on a Thursday. Mm. And then coming down the stretch on 18, what was that? You know, obviously you guys knew the, the score that you had to get there roughly, but w what was that kind of walk like for you guys? Just having to close the deal and then having the fans, of course. Yeah, so when we got to our ball, our tee shot on 18, I was able to use my range finder to look at the big video scoreboard and see that Louie had made par. So I knew we had a two-shot lead on both Louie and Brooks. And that par was basically going to be good enough unless Brooks hold out. And so we made sure that we picked a club that was going to land on the front part of the green. And it was a perfect nine-iron in my mind. And, and once that ball landed on the green, we knew it was basically over because we knew that he could two-putt from 20 feet. The walk was quite different than I had pictured. I had pictured a walk with just us in the fairway and the fans on the side screaming lefty, but to literally have them in front of us and, and have to you know, walk through that, that chaos, it was chaos, but it was a really special chaos if there is such a thing. Well, I'm sure, and you had said earlier in the week that you wanted this so much for your brother, your older brother. You know what I mean? You've seen the work he's putting in. Every day, and, and all, the, all the golf he's been playing so much and preparing so much and the sacrifices he's made. So how does it make you feel to see him there on 18 and get it done like that with the fans there? I mean, I'm, I'm just super happy for him and, and proud of him. You know, most people 
don't see how much time and effort he puts into his game. He's actually spending more time at the golf course now, uh, tournament weeks or, you know, tournament days. He's spending more time now. He, you know, he's practicing after his rounds. So, I mean, he's, he's putting in the time and he's been staying focused on the process, which we've talked about a lot lately. And I'm just super proud and happy that he was able to get the results at the right time. He'd been playing great for four or five months and just not getting anything out of his rounds, not getting the results we wanted. And, you know, he was staying patient, knowing that it was going to happen. Couldn't tell you if it was going to happen at Charlotte or here or maybe Colonial, but we knew it was going to happen. And we're, we're all very thankful that it all happened at Kiowa. Mm. Was there, with all the chaos in 18, all the fans, like, were you... Uh... Were you having to manage any of that at all and keep them away from Phil? Or, I mean, or was it just like, just keep going, keep walking forward, just get out of it? <laughs> or what were you thinking? Well, I, I tried before we hit our second shot just to make sure everybody stayed behind him. And I thought they would after the second shot. But as soon as I saw people running ahead, I looked around and I had already seen four uh, police officers around Phil. So I knew Phil was taken care of. So I was trying to lead the charge through the chaos you know basically through the mosh pit and next thing i know is like i almost got trampled like i i was about to fall forward because somebody was in front of me they kept me upright i looked behind and i saw an officer sort of making his way through the crowd i said you know what he's the best person for me to walk behind so i got right behind him and just followed him through and as soon as we got out i, I went straight to him and just said thank you because that was definitely uh you know uh, a, a different scene to, to get through but again it's really cool to see the fans so supportive of Phil that week. The chance of Lefty coming down the stretch and the roars when he made a putt. Uh, you know, to be able to be a part of that and think in the back of my mind that he's been able to have this type of energy around him from fans for the last 30 years was really, really cool to be part of. Oh, I'm sure, man. Well, and also the hug on 18. You guys have the embrace. How did that feel for you, Tim? So I didn't ever want to get ahead of myself. I try to stay very even keel, uh, you know, during the round and try not to get too high, too low. But I'll be honest, I mean, starting with about the fifth hole, I really started thinking, I'm like, I can't wait. I started picturing being able to give him a big hug on 18. And then I, I would think to myself, okay, stop thinking that way. You're getting ahead of yourself, you know, but it happened four or five times, uh, and so, you know, it, it was a very special moment for us. And basically, I just told him how proud I am of him and how happy I am to be a part of it and that I love him. Mm, right there on 18? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, what a moment. I mean, just for brothers to be able to share that, that's such a rare thing, you know? Exactly. Um, well, so, because you finish up there, what... Um, what was the response like? Did, did you see many caddies or other players that you got to talk to afterwards? There were certainly players and caddies that had stuck around uh, basically just to say congratulations and I guess watch the last hole, the, the history being made was still, you know, being 50 and all. Um, but I've gotten tons of texts from other caddies and even some players and just uh, expressing their congratulations to us and, and their excitement to see the history that was made. Mm. Which ones really, really come to mind as the most uh, this awesome text that you got? Uh, honestly, they were all very, very similar, which was it was so awesome to watch history being made. I mean, that was sort of the the 
sum of, you know, all of the text was it was so awesome to watch history being made. So happy for you guys. Enjoy the moment. Um, and that's pretty much, you know, to sum them all up, that's that's what they were all like. Mm. Like any particular caddies that you've gotten close to in the last three and a half, four years that, that it meant a lot to hear from them? I mean, honestly, a lot of them. Not, not one particular one. Um, you know, I, I, I consider pretty much every caddy out there a friend. We all basically share the same uh, career. We, we share the ups and downs with our players, the good times, the bads. And um, to receive texts from about 30 different caddies, you know, has been very special. Oh, I can imagine. Well, I saw that on 18 as you guys walked off. You went back, and of course, as a good caddy would do, you, you grabbed the flag, uh, the pin flag. I mean, what, what did that moment feel like? Something as small as that? Uh, it was just really cool because, you know, it's a tradition in golf. I mean, the, the, the caddy gets the 18th hole flag for his player, and um, that was not something I was going to screw up, especially in the moment. So, you know, I made sure to put the flag by my bag. I just left it there, and as, as soon as the final putt went in, made sure to grab it. Didn't want to jinx anything and and put it away, you know, put it away before all, all of it was said and done. Um, but I was very happy to be able to put that in his bag and, and let him know on the plane, hey, don't worry, bro, I've I've got it in the bag already. Oh, was he wondering uh, where it was, or? Well, I think he was. He had a lot of other things on his mind, but when <laughs> I wanted to make sure that he knew that it was taken care of. Yeah, and well, where where is it going to go? Like, is it is it uh, you know a certain spot you guys have uh, in mind for it? Or well, it's it's completely up to him. 18th hole is his. I'm going to try to get like the 17th hole, so I have one as well. But uh, you know, he's got a he's got a little trophy room, so my guess is it'll probably go in there somewhere. Mm. Well, this is a, a such a historic win. I mean, the oldest major champion, age 50, um, almost 51. What does it mean to you to be a part of this historic win for your brother? To be actually really a big part of it. Uh, I, I'm just again super proud of him and, and happy for him because I know how hard he's worked to to get this win. And honestly, just to be able to play at a high level for so long, the, the workouts he does, the stretching, the meditation, the nutrition, all of that stuff, you know, the older these guys get, they have to do more and more to be able to compete at the highest level. And he's been willing to make those sacrifices in order to get it done. So it was a very special day for Phil, myself, the entire family. But I'm just ha I'm just happy for him, period. When you say make sacrifices, I know he mentioned he fasts 36 hours a week and he's given up a lot of different types of food. As a younger brother, because I'm a younger brother too, uh, Tim, what kind of food uh, are you able to trash talk him with and say, hey man, like you're missing out on these steaks, you're missing out on this or that? Uh, it's probably just the candy that I tend to eat in front of him. The <laughs> Sour Patch Kids, the Sour Punch Straws, the... Cherry sours, the starburst, the red vines, all that stuff. I, that's my weakness. Um, <laughs> right. So I definitely, I definitely seem to eat plenty of it in front of them. Is this? Yeah, I love that. Is this the best that Phil has played in, in the time you've been on his bag? Uh, I would certainly say so. It, it's it's certainly the best that I've seen him hit the ball in difficult scoring conditions. I mean, so many shots, even with the, the difficult wins we had, were just, you know, right at the pin. 
and not all of them turn out to be great shots, but like 14 yesterday, I think 14 might have been his best swing of the tournament. That thing was right on the pin, and it landed, you know, a yard or two short of the green, but it was probably his best swing. Just, just the way he executed? Yeah, just the way he executed under those conditions. It was a very tough green to hit. Uh, he hit the exact shot we wanted. He literally just misjudged the amount of help we were getting by probably two yards. Mm. Well, there's so much talk that he said about mental fitness here this this past week of the PGA Championship. Is that something that you work on as well, too, or is that just something that he's just kind of grinding on? Uh, I, I don't think I've changed anything over the last couple of years, so I think it's more of just him. My big deal with him is I don't ever want to get too high or low. I want him to see me as being the exact same person in caddy, whether he's six under or six over. And so I didn't even allow myself to get uh, ahead of myself, or I didn't say anything about him winning until after the, the final putt dropped. Mm. Did you did you see this coming? I know that he, he had made a statement a couple weeks ago, but did you, did you see this coming with his game? I definitely saw that he was playing really well and just not scoring. Um, could I envisioned him winning again absolutely did i necessarily know that it was going to be at kiowa obviously not but i knew that he was playing well and that he was going to be in contention again soon um we're just thankful that it was this week mm. you know i i have to think back to what you're saying about starburst and eating eating candy in front of him does does he give you a hard time when you do that he's like come on man get it together get that stuff away <laughs> He may be thinking it, but he never says it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, it's it's tough. That's my weakness, too, so I, I can definitely hear you on that. Um, well, hey, so you mentioned the, the, the plane ride home. Of course, you guys got there. What time did you land in uh, in California last night? Uh, we ended up getting home right around 1 a.m. Uh, we're God. just chilling. We're just chilling in San Diego for today, and then we'll be off to Colonial tomorrow. What was the plane ride home like? I mean, those are those are special moments, man. Or you know, you probably got to get rest. But I mean, what was that like? It, it, it was it was a celebratory uh, glass of champagne, then a glass of wine, and then just a lot of getting on our phones and and responding to all the texts and looking at social media, and then a little bit of a nap at the end. Hmm. Well, for you and Phil and talking about, like, has there been, like, a moment, like, I know I talked to J.J. Jakovac last year, right, when Colin Morikawa won in San Francisco, and he said, uh, guess what, um, he texted he texted Colin the next morning and said, man, you won the PGA Championship, and he said, no, 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 we won the PGA Championship. It was like a cool, like, first text message from the player. Mm -hmm. Like, was there anything like that with Phil in terms of, like, your guys' first text message or your first kind of exchange on the plane about, wow, we, we did this, <laughs> you know? It, it was more towards the end of the flight, I think, once the adrenaline wore off and we sort of let things settle in, like, holy crap, we actually did that today. Was it, what, Phil said that to you, or? Yeah, 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 Phil said that to me almost about, probably 15 or 20 minutes before we landed in San Diego. And and what did you, what did you respond to him with after he said that? I just said, hell yes, we did. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and what's the plan for the celebration now from here? Are you relaxing in San Diego? I mean, like, have you been able to talk to your dad and, and share that on the phone? And you guys talked to him on the phone last night on the plane, or your mom? So, my parents, my wife, and my baby boy Asher all met us at the FBO 
literally just to give him a quick hug and then and then uh, say congratulations and then we all all went back home. And I, I know it was quick, but but how how special was that to have everybody together? Yeah, I mean it was awesome. It was awesome to have them there, and Phil was able to then go home to Amy and celebrate with her. So um, I'm I'm very glad that even though we're playing Colonial this week, I'm very happy that we were able to come home for today and and see everybody for at least today. Hmm. When your dad introduced both you and, and Phil to the game, I mean, just how happy were you, Tim, for your dad to have that moment last night and just to have this moment now here for these, you know, going ahead? Yeah. Yeah, it's just awesome. With dad, you know, getting up there, he's going to be 80, I believe 86 this summer. For him to be able to see one more major championship like that, you know, um, my dad's a proud man in general. He's very humble and quiet, but I'm sure he was probably shedding a couple tears for us yesterday. Mm. So it was just, what, five, ten minutes that you guys got together? They met you there in uh, Rancho Santa Fe at the yeah. airport? Or? Yeah, it was only about five minutes, and then and then we all went went home because it was late. I mean, by the time we got home, it was like 1.45 or 1.30 in the morning. So it was a long day because we've been on the East Coast and needed to get a little bit of sleep and do some laundry today and get caught up on things and then head back out. Mm. You mentioned checking your phones on, on the on the celebratory flight. Um, anything that just really sticks out from what you heard from your dad or from your mom? I know your mom was texting with your sister, Tina, uh, but anything kind of come to mind there? Uh, nothing really came to mind. I obviously saw, saw those cause I was able to get on Twitter on the flight and see those things from my sister, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, I think the coolest thing I saw though was the, I think the aerial shot from the blimp that showed the scene on 18 with how many people were around that green. And that was pretty cool to see from a different angle instead of being on the ground level of it. Yeah. And I know Phil's reaction on, on golf central live from like when he saw it for the first time, he was just absolutely floored. Um, cause you just never see that in majors if it's not, unless it's a British open or tiger, um, well, yeah, you know, I was on Twitter as well, and I saw uh, Tina, your your sister, mentioned that funny uh, text exchange with 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 your mom. Um, what did what did you make of that? I mean, of course, they're, they they can't control anything. They're at home, and I mean, what did you make of that? Um, it was funny. I mean, I, I, obviously, I wasn't even thinking about it during the day, but to be able to see those uh, from my sister, I thought was pretty neat, and, and I'm sure. They were sort of riding the highs and lows just like we were during the round. Mm. So what's next for, for Tim Mickelson? I know you guys are playing this week, and uh, but, but what kind of what's the game plan for you uh, You know, going ahead? Uh, I'll probably change a few diapers today <laughs> and then uh, put a pacifier in his mouth a few times to keep him quiet if he's getting cranky and then uh, just get ready to to go back out to Colonial later this week and see if we can't continue this run a little bit. How much are you looking, obviously, at Colonial right ahead, but looking forward to Torrey Pines? Yeah, I mean, obviously, if there's any one tournament that Phil wants to win to cement his place in history, winning in the U.S. Open uh, would be it. And being able to win the U.S. Open in his hometown at Torrey Pines would be absolutely incredible. So I'm going to do everything I can in my power uh, to make sure that we have a good game plan, hopefully that we can stick to it, and we'll see how the chips may fall come Saturday and Sunday. Definitely. I've heard of this tradition that uh, for the champion to donate 
uh, one of the more impactful clubs to the PGA. Have you heard that at all, too? Uh, I have not. But if he was going to, my guess would probably be the 60-degree wedge because of the chip-in on number five. I love that you said that because the crowd reaction. What were the crowd reactions like there but just all, all day? I mean, I mean, you're talking about lefty, lefty, yelling lefty. But, I mean, the electricity, what does that feel like on a Sunday at a major with your with your brother? It was incredible to have all of the chants of lefty and go Phil and all that stuff coming down the stretch was incredible to be a part of. And I'm, I'm very thankful to have been able to be a part of it and, and witness and be inside the ropes um, for a major championship win. Obviously, Phil and Bones have been able to celebrate five of those. For me to be able to experience was absolutely incredible. Mm. And then just in closing, being out there for the last four or so years, I mean, what has that been like for you, just making that transition from, you know, being an agent for John Rahm and and now, uh, you know, kind of making some sacrifices and and making some changes to to where you were headed? Yeah, it's been an awesome run. Um, I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity from Phil because without Phil giving me that opportunity, uh, I would say there's a very good chance I don't meet my wife, Miranda, which Hmm. means I also don't have Asher. And those are two very, very special things in my life. So to be able to to have had that because I've been able to get to the caddy world and, and the reason being is I, I, I was working so hard that I never allowed myself to take time to have a solid relationship uh, and by having some time off that allowed me the opportunity to do so mm. well really happy for you man this is an awesome moment uh, season in your life and uh, best of luck with Asher and uh, change those diapers enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> will do thanks for having me Awesome stuff with Tim Mickelson. I loved his enthusiasm. But you know what? What a moment to be a brother to share that with Phil. I love the detail we heard about the hug and what it meant to him on 18 on the final hole and how he had to block it out of his mind. He thought of it four or five times during the final round, what that embrace would feel like uh, for Phil and for Tim just in that moment. So it was very cool that, that he shared that. You can follow. I'm going to have some... Um, audiograms this whole week on Instagram and on Twitter at Johnston Garrett and at Beyond Clubhouse on Twitter at Garrett Johnston Golf and at Beyond the Clubhouse podcast on Instagram as well. You're going to see some cool stuff, some some of the best of uh, audio snippets there from that interview. Hope you enjoyed it. And then, as I said, takeaways from Kiwa Island. I thought just seeing the, the just the sunset on Sunday night was so cool, and seeing the Golf Channel live from team get out there. Rich Lerner on the putting green with. Brando Chambly, Justin Leonard, and they interviewed Phil Mickelson. I was out there and I watched it happen. I thought it was so cool because think about what this meant for the game. Think about how amazing it was for their careers to be a part of interviewing Phil at age 50, breaking history as the oldest major champion. Justin Leonard was on that winning Ryder Cup team in 1999, and there he was interviewing his buddy, Phil Mickelson. Even Rich Lerner said it best as he introduced the interview. He said, well, we are lucky uh, to have a job like this that lets us <laughs> do something so special as interview uh, Phil Mickelson on the green. So I thought that was very cool. Um, what do you guys think about what you heard about the prices there for fans, uh, for concessions on the grounds at Kiwa Island? I was hearing upwards of, what, 15 bucks for a beer, 
A uh, bottle of water is pretty expensive too. So, you know, it wasn't ideal. <laughs> and I guess some fans didn't. I guess they were shut out. I, I was at uh, the municipal golf course and the lady there working in the restaurant was saying that she had tickets and, and obviously she wasn't able to go because of COVID. Hey, there's a lot of knocks on South Carolina about not being safe enough, but yet they were cutting back on some tickets. It might be hard to believe with all the fans that you saw in 18. That was such an image. I think that's the kind of image we're going to uh, tell our grandkids about in 30 or 40 years, however old you are, how cool that was uh, to see Phil and Tim hug each other there on 18 and to beat Brooks Kepka in, in those conditions. I mean, really, Brooks is truly... Um, a dominant force and to play with him go toe-to-toe with him I thought was awesome anyway looking forward to the next Beyond the Clubhouse hope you enjoyed this one and we'll uh, talk to you again soon